Blog Talk Radio. You are listening to Blog Talk Radio with your host, Annette Coleman, discussing topics for the artist, focusing on the development of your visual art career. Good evening, everybody. Um, This is Annette Coleman, and tonight we're going to talk about visual artists and poets and their collaboration. Um, A little bit about my background. I've been a working artist for over 40 years. I'm a multimedia artist working primarily with dreams as my subject matter. Currently have been seeking opportunities in the public art world using mosaics as my medium. And you can see my work at AnnetteColemanArtist.com. Tonight, my co-host is Suzanne Frazier. Welcome to the show, Suzanne. Oh, thank you for having me. I always enjoy talking to you and just kind of discussing art. I love talking about art all the time, so it's great. (laughs) I do, too. And one of the things we'll be kind of celebrating tonight and um, having some of our poets read uh, work from is the Art Speak show that's currently up in Boulder at the First Congregational Church. And this show is going to run through uh, the next month. I believe it comes down on the 28th. And uh, it's just a wonderful way of working and uh, changing how you view your own artwork, visual artwork, through poetry. And then the, the poets also are able to respond uh, to the artist's work, Um, but then the artist often will do work based on the uh, poet's poems. So that's a really interesting uh, way of really changing uh, how you do your work. Um, Suzanne, tell us a little bit about the collaboration um, that you did this year. Oh, well, I have two pieces in the show, and I have a friend. I was part of a writer's group because most artists write, and most writers sometimes make art. So I was in a writer's group and met uh, Tracy Slaughter, who's a wonderful poet, and she writes about Colorado and the Colorado mountains. And we were in a, a group together, and she read her poetry, and I read some of my memoir. And um, we got to know each other, and some of her poems were just so special that it inspired some of my art. And then she would come to all my sh- art shows, and and hopefully some of my work inspired her poetry as well. So we collaborated in that we found um, two poems that um, – really spoke to me and she picked out two paintings that really spoke to her and they kind of matched up uh, because um, she likes to write about the mountains and I like to paint mountains so it worked out really great (laughs) and it was a wonderful collaboration between the two of us. Well and what's interesting too is hearing the poetry out loud that really makes all the difference because I get the poetry in um, prior to the show, since I'm the curator of this particular show, and I, uh, you know, do a little bit of editing so that it fits on the page nicely, and then it goes up next to the visual art. But until I hear that poem read by the actual poet, it just doesn't have to me as much uh, meaning, or I hear different meaning in it when it's read out loud. I totally agree with you because I I believe that poetry should be read and only uh, on special occasions, I mean, to be spoken. Did I say read? I meant (laughs) um, poetry should be spoken and only on special occasions just to be read silently by, you know, the appreciator. But I think poetry doesn't really um, bloom until it's read out loud by the poet because it's how the emphasis on the words and the rhythm of how it's spoken, I think, is also part of the beauty of poetry in terms of making pictures and sliding ideas together. And I think it's the same thing with art. You know, my art looks okay in my studio, you know, sitting against the wall, but 
not until I put in an exhibition and on a wall does it start to sing. So I think together, um, you know, the exhibition was just wonderful because the art was singing on the walls and the poets were reading their poetry. And I think that's the way those two mediums should be, you know, living instead of, you know, just hid away somewhere. So thank you, Annette, for putting in, you were the curator of the show. Uh, Thank you for putting all of us together and letting us share our joy of creating. Well, it is always a lot of fun because what happens is we get um, poets that um, I don't know anything about kind of show up when I put the word out about this collaboration. Um, So I never know how the pairings are going to go. I kind of liken it to um, match.com for creatives. (laughs) I don't know how the match is going to go. We hope hope they have a good time um, and enjoy each other's company and learn something from each other. But um, I'm also starting to call it pairings because it sounds, you know, way more civilized um, to liken it to, to wine and food. Well, we've got a caller here. Um, and I'm going to bring them on. Uh, you'll recognize the last four digits of your phone number being 4830. 4830, welcome to the show. Uh, that's me, Diana Schellenberger. Hi, Diana. Oh, welcome. Hi. Yes, I, um, I worked with Bonnie Forbes. Fabulous. Tell, tell, tell us little... exactly. Yeah. How was your collaboration? Well, well, it was it was an interesting collaboration in that I had written this poem probably close to a year ago, and um, she had the idea that the um, exhibit was about poets doing uh, you know some sort of visual art with it. So. I was prepared to do a photograph and and have a poem, and I, you know, had no specific poem in mind. I thought I would create one, especially for the exhibit. And then um, Bonnie talked to you, Annette, and she found out that it was actually supposed to be a collaboration between two uh, visual artists and a poet. So she was forced to uh, create something which I think sometimes is the best way to get things done, you know, when someone's expecting you to do something. <laughs> Otherwise, yeah. oh, um, there's nothing you know, like a deadline. Kind of <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, nothing like a deadline and nothing like somebody actually expecting something from you. So I, that really resonates with me because um, being a writer and there's so much in print and everything out there, it's very difficult to get people to really notice what you're doing. So I um, labored, uh, I have labored for a very long time in secret. I don't think, actually, I think Mm. a lot of artists in general do that. And then, um, so I wrote a book and published it, self-published it last year. And, um, and, and Bonnie has been a real champion of mine. And, so when we discovered that this was a collaboration, she said, well, I really like this poem that you wrote, and I want to um, match it, match my visual, you know, my vision um, with this poem. And so we talked a lot about the poem and about images that would go with it. And I have to say that what she created was um, it just a, a real synthesis of what I had already done, her understanding of it, and then our um, subsequent discussions about it. Mmm, yummy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, are you prepared to uh, read from your poem? I am definitely. I'm all ready. I've got it right here in front of all me. All right. Okay. So it's about a I three would love to hear it. Performance. All right, here we go. Go, go right ahead. Statement of Profit and Loss. You stood over me, your mouth moving at nail gun speed, accusing me of all manner of intemperance, all the while 
saying, you're the crucified ones. I waste precious life fighting to convince you. I do not resemble the person you say I am and proving to you I am worthy of love. It's time to stop. You're never going to change your mind about me. Instead, I set myself to changing my own mind to learn the lessons put before me, the ones that require more heart and mind than I've ever summoned. But first, I must reckon with my anger. I am angry, not only because it isn't justified, but because it makes me feel more powerful. I believe anger is better than fear, fear of my weakness, fear of being alone and unloved. Anger makes me a gambler, heading back to the ring for another round to bet against myself. Double fists or nothing, I might win this time. In war, there is no victor, only those who lose less. Hmm. I think of those ancient givers, the forgivers, who invented mercy after witnessing everyone and everything they loved mowed down. The only survivor deep within their hearts was the scantest rootlet of hope and love. The forgivers set aside their rage and desire for revenge to nurture what was left, to regrow lives of compassion and peace. They didn't want their adversaries to ever suffer as they themselves had suffered. I am not of their clan, but I want to learn their ways to bury the dead thing that is having the last word and landing the last blow and to raise what is more true than hatred. The seedling, the forgivers are depending on me to grow. Lovely. Wonderful. Mm, Thank you. Um, And I've heard a, a little bit of the backstory from Bonnie and so that mm-hmm. you know, in hearing your your poem and some of the things that she was struggling with um, as she was working on her piece, so that I think that's the um, interesting thing is is really the stories behind um, the poetry. Um, Diana, if you'd like to uh, share anything about the background um, for this particular poem, or just leave it as is, that's fine too. <laughs> well, I, um, you know, it, it came out of uh, a, rec- a conflict within the last year with a friend, a friendship that ended. And as I was, or after I wrote it and was kind of working with it and massaging it, I really realized it was, um, you know, I was, I was, I had created it kind of as an end point um, for involving myself in relationships that, uh, you know, kind of grow one-sided. Um, you know, one person sort of sits back and lets the other person kind of lead the way and set the tone for things and, and also do a lot of the emotional work of the friendship, of the relationship. And when, you know, when I finished this, I realized that, I thought I was just writing about this one relationship, but I was really writing about um, uh, sort of, a, well, definitely a pattern of mine. And uh, really uh, this was putting down a stake and saying, this is the end of this. I need to begin again and do something different in all of my relationships. Really interesting. Now, do you think it has also changed your writing per se? This you know, realization. Um, yes, and I think it's it's also changed the way I work. And you you know you probably can relate to this 
um, as artists also and as women. Um, I, you know, raised, I was a stay-at-home mom with my two sons who are now in their 20s. And um, so finding time to write and kind of do things that I enjoyed personally that were separate from being a, a, a spouse and a mother, you know, it was, there was, there was very little time for that. And so even after my kids, you know, have left home and all that, sometimes I find myself, oh, well, you know, I need to do this one thing for someone else or for the, you know, I need to have the house a certain way or whatever. Right. And I think (laughs) that this poem and, and, and the things that led up to this, the, the conflict and then the, you know, decision to just end the friendship, um, it really has changed, you know, it's an interesting question because I hadn't thought about it, but it definitely has changed the way that I work. And I would say that I am definitely staking out more time to to do my reading, my thinking, and uh, my uh, poetry. And essays, too. I also mm-hmm. write essays, but... Um, Poetry is my main concentration right now. Well, wonderful. I think that's it's nice to know that, um, you know, poetry can change the writer uh, to some extent, not just the listener or the reader, but the writer themselves change. Well, I think that that's... Um, I mean, don't you find that you have that particular alchemy with uh, your work as well? That um, in 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 changing, you know, the way that you work, you change yourself, or changing yourself, you change the way you work. I mean, I think that there's a um, you know a real organic um, connection that you make with your work that's really necessary to you know, continue to grow, you know, you do have to have a root system and something mm-hmm, that's right. feeding into that. Mm-hmm. Um, Suzanne, do you want to speak to your own process? Well, I agree with you. I, I, I think all creativity and any form of expression, whether it's artistic or the written word or uh, you know, body movement um, and dance. Um, it's it's um, expressing your yourself, and if you're true to yourself and you're expressing yourself from your truth, it's just very powerful and very important. And it's also healing. And I think there's this wonderful mix that goes on uh, connected with creativity that um, not too many people speak to. And so I was delighted that what you said about your, uh, you know, the result of of writing this poem and and giving yourself permission to have more time to be creative. Because I think, you know, creativity um, births creativity and births, you know, um, uh, personal growth and and births insight and, and, it's it's a I mean I think that's why we're all creatives is because it's a little wider than producing a product, whether it be a poem or a painting or whatever um, you know type of artwork. Diana, I um, think that it's a wonderful thing that it sounds like you have created more space in your life for this creative life. Um, And then that, to me, is very exciting. Um, It doesn't matter what you produce as long as you give yourself room to do it. Exactly. Because, you know, (laughs) some things are just, they, they don't gel, and then you just say, okay, this doesn't work, and you set it aside, and I don't, like to ever believe that that's the very end of it that you know somehow it's like it's like putting something on the compost heap and it's going to turn into something else Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I mean, the best part about being a creative is all you have to do is show up, <laughs> as they say. <laughs> you just have to show up and either take your pen in hand or your paintbrush in hand or whatever and just start working, and then the rest is just the natural outcome of, of being there, I guess. <laughs> well, and, and I don't so much. know whether you have this. Yes, thank you. Thank you very much for giving us <laughs> Thanks, this Thanks, Diana. Yeah, this has yeah. been Diana Schellenberger, and she's been sharing her um, uh, poetry here uh, for the Art Speak show. And I'm going to bring in another caller, um, and you'll recognize your number, 7553. 7553. Hello. And hi there. You are live tonight. Who are we speaking with? This is Karen Bennett. Hi, Karen. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Um, please tell us a little bit about your collaboration. Um, my collaboration was with Chris Buskey. He's an amazing poet, and um, he's also an amazing artist. So he happens to be both. But it was a series of poems that he wrote and read at a uh, program that we have at the next gallery um, for people who they, they do a song, uh, music and poetry. And he read at that um, activity. And uh, my son was with me. And some of Chris's poems touched his soul deeply. And I was so, I, I just marveled at the way that he was able to touch him, that, that Chris was able to communicate with my son in a way of affirming his, his being and his, his way of life and everything like that. And so the poem that he wrote um, was the inspiration for the pieces that I did, which are actually images of my son photographs of my son in drag and uh, Chris's poem is called Queer Kids and so that's sort of a mm. background of what it was oh Wonderful. fantastic fantastic um, are you able to share Chris's poem tonight or do you think he'll be calling in uh, I don't know if he'll be calling in I would have to. I have a copy, but I don't have it right here at the uh, at the phone where I am. That's so I would ready. have to. <laughs> yes, you'd have to come back to me in a little bit, and then I could have it. Just a second. Let me see if I can get it up here. Okay. Um, well, I will. I will come back to you in just a little bit, and um, okay. And I'll go ahead and play another uh, caller, and then I will click on you in just a bit. Okay. Thank you. Okay, let's see here. Um, I have a poem uh, that Ellen uh, Wilkin um, recorded. So let me go ahead and just get right into this. I am art in memory of Vincent Farini by Ellen A. Wilkin. I am art, my living, this process this body of work, the walk on mud-lined paths under cottonwoods and among willows, armed and embracing, the waking after dreams escaping, the dawn drenched in heart-wrenching color that has no name, the drafting of words upon words upon words, and the light from the window prancing across the page that evokes the sleep, the resting on comfortable beds, the redressing of wounds, from reckless, seething battle, the soft light of the moon not even stirring the dark corner where I lie, but inventing story the whole while. The voyage beyond the tiny yard and house, the pushing off from shore, the dark clouds and the rain pouring into a leaky boat, the new land with lampposts for trees, ancient marble and stone for grass under my feet, the bright umbrellas chasing away gray, and the map to home lying in among tourist souvenirs stored in a tray. That was fabulous. Oh, wow. <laughs> I wish Ellen was here to talk a little bit about that. Um, she was paired uh, with uh, one of uh, artists, uh, Julie Clement, 
and Julie did uh, this uh, rather large uh, acrylic painting, uh, very abstract with uh, round shapes kind of going across in linear lines on the painting in this beautiful um, fuchsia and Merlot reds and warm uh, ochres and it just it was lovely and um, it would be interesting to listen uh, to either one of them explain about that collaboration but um, the poem was beautiful and the painting itself is beautiful so that's good too <laughs> that's Suzanne <laughs> I know you know uh, Julie Clement's work um, so if you could yes. talk a little bit about um, her unique um, approach Oh, well, she is such wonderful, vibrant color in most of her work. And, and the dots, the dots, I don't know how she does it, but they're fantastic. And um, she has a unique way of looking at the world, just as like the poem that was read, you know, the light dancing across the table. I mean, it, it, I could see how these two um, creative people were paired um, just because of, of of the words expressing kind of what Julie does on the canvas, so fantastic! <laughs> <laughs> well, it's wonderful. And I'm going to see if uh, Karen had uh, was able to find what she had. Um, Karen, did you find Chris's poem? I did. I I was able to print it out so I can read it easily. (laughs) And um, this is a poem. This is a poem by uh, Chris Busky, and it's called Two Queer Kids. I need to make a note here. He reads this much better than I do, but I will do my best. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Two Two queer kids in small towns being singled out in hallways, jumped in locker rooms, always looking over your shoulder, always holding your breath. You are not alone. To queer kids in the suburbs, almost pushed to the edge, who are mocked in lunchrooms, sucker punched on buses, spending countless nights isolated from the world around you, contemplating revenge, writing suicide notes. You are not alone. To queer kids in the city, searching for kindness in strangers, because you can't find it anywhere else. Constantly bullied, continuously beaten down, but never broken, at least not yet. You are not alone. To queer kids in the street, cast out by the ones who should love you the most, but becoming exactly what they were, afraid just to survive, hating yourself the way they do because of it. You are not alone. To every queer kid searching for friendship in half-empty liquor bottles, redemption from pill bottles, acceptance from glass pipes or dirty needles, you are not alone. And no matter how good the numbness feels, you are worth more than that. You are more than key bumps in bathroom stalls and hookups in public restrooms. You are more than a sissy fairy, flesbo, cocksucking, carpet muncher, pansy, dichomo. They throw at you like rocks in zones labeled safe. You are more than a faggot. I should know. I've had the word pride carved in my back for the battles I fought to be myself. I've been spit on, laughed on, torn up, beaten down, and left to rot for who I am. I survive to tell you that you are stronger than you think. You are a hero. You have to be to face what you've had day after day. I'm here to tell you, you no no longer have to allow their fear to hold you back. Revel in what you are. Celebrate who you are. You are a miracle, one of the countless stars illuminating this world. And we need you now more than ever. We need your kindness and your forgiveness, your perseverance, your strength, We need your hope. You are the light at the end of the tunnel. So please, I beg you, we beg of you, continue to shine. Mm. Oh, wow. That's what I I love about art at any level, poetry or visual. 
we have a tendency to take on those issues of society that some people want to sweep under the carpet. And I love that artists are not afraid to express these particular situations and feelings and people's personal experiences. Oh, what a powerful poem. And I think my work was actually more a celebration. I think the colors are vibrant uh-huh. and, and, and uh, they're, they're on fabric, so they're photo transfers on fabrics. The colors are just really vibrant, and there's a tool mm. that has sort of a sheen on it. So it's very much a celebration of who you are. And all of them, the two pieces both have an image of the figure looking through a window or behind a window because there's still that isolation from the rest of us, that other. And so that's mm-hmm. how I interpreted it. Um, and I went to the celebration because I know how much, um, how much, how important it's been to my son to discover himself and be who he is. Mm-hmm. 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 Fabulous. If if we isolate and do not celebrate those individuals, any individual, and what they have to bring to this world, just think how poor um, the world is without their vibrancy and their life and and what they can give uh, to the world. That's the thing that is just um, daunting. I mean, it wasn't very long ago where women were – and. They still are in some in some parts of the world where you're not you don't have a voice and you can't say what you think or do what you feel or be who you are. Um, so I also applaud the First Congregational Church for uh, showcasing um, this work and the work of many different artists. They are, are not shy, and um, one of their uh, things that they do and embrace is social justice and um, how uh, social justice uh, plays uh, in a religious life. I mean, you can't not speak up um, for other people. Uh, I guess you could choose not to, but um, a a religious life um, is one where you, um, you know, you you care for your other human being, uh, human beings that are out there in the world next to you and around you. So uh, thanks very much uh, to Chris Buskey and Karen Bennett for uh, having this collaboration. Um, it's just it's sort of like the the perfect pairing of of individuals. And thanks, Karen, for calling in tonight and sharing. Um, I'm going to go to another uh, uh, pre-recorded, uh, and then I can also be bringing uh, both Karen and Diana back into the show here. But I'm going to play another one. Here we go. This is um, by Z. He is a Mayan poet, is how he introduces himself. Checking. I've got grass stains and back pains from the man in blue who tried to lynch me on chains for prison gain. Oh, the great America, spelled with three Ks and sponsored by a peaceful and loving religion that kills gays. We pride ourselves that we killed the German Nazis, but we got the copies, the neo-Nazis, and we can freedom of speech to white power, but stay tuned, because in the next hour, I will tell you when a black man kneels, your face should get sour. So go ahead. Get mad at me when you face the reality that America was never great, because was built with bodies that paint the flag and mocks the dead. I told this white chick that she can't wear my culture, and her face turned red. White people like this trend, is what she said. But of course, cultural appropriation is the only way that this nation is ever going to forget that Native Americans still exist and that Mexicans own this land. Oh, yes, they did. It was called us land. Forget to see you hated Chicanos and our six are dead because they wanted to rise up from El Barrio to build a portfolio for their parents who work for Clarence a dollar an hour. So remember the next time you eat that salad, it came from our immigrants. Our hands. A mother's power to send her kids to school so they won't have to pick up a tool and look like a fool in front of white men. We're told to work hard for the American dream. But it's just a scheme to excuse the fact that they put crack in our neighborhoods. I like when people say that I'm colorblind and I don't see color. I see the clerks still following me in stores. You see my colors, I see yours. And we could not move on if our differences are gone. 
But if you could just open up the doors and see that color does not define me. I want to raise a family in the world of equality, so what's wrong with a better quality of life for you and me? Time is running out. The lake of freedom is in drought. There's no more time for doubt. Just take my hand. Let's take a stand and raise our fists. You don't have to be black or brown. You just need to have morals. This is for everyone who lost their life against an ignorant knife or by lead who pled not guilty but still ended up dead. Black, white, brown, or whatever shade of color of the rainbow you are. This is our home, our town. And we still don't know how to live in it. And that's my frustration to this nation. And that was V with his poetry, The Frustration. He was paired with Lisa Michelle, and she did very specific paintings on three of Z's poems. Um, this particular one has the football player taking a knee, and in the background there are three Ku Klux Klan members. So the painting is in your face. Um, just like um, we hear the words uh, from Z uh, and his frustration. <laughs> Suzanne? <laughs> oh, oh, sorry. I didn't know who to go first. Um, I thought it was so well read, and I love the music of his voice. And I love the intensity. And, of course, if you agree with what he says, then you love what he says. And I do. Um, And, again, speaking to the creative part of our culture is not afraid to speak up and name things and point out what may be blinding some people. And uh, I just think this is the power of art, the power of the person, and the power of the collaboration between the poet and the artist. Yeah, it was really wonderful. Um, Diana, I'm bringing you back on in case you have um, something to add here, um, because I do believe that you were there when this poetry was read. Yes. Yes. yeah, and and I have to say that the the visual, the art was just very striking. I'm from the San Francisco area, which you know Colin Kaepernick is the football player that really started the taking a knee. Uh, mm. And so I, when I saw that piece, it immediately resonated with me, and it was you know uh, so incredibly haunting to see the Ku Klux Klan hoods you know, framing, you know, this young guy taking a knee in a football uniform. And then when I read the poetry, it was it just uh, so raw and speaking of that experience of being brown in this country. Yeah, it, um, it was wonderful to hear um, the actually perform the piece live. Um, he did not read. He this poem was embedded in his mind, and he yes. felt it out with this resonance from his his deep chest, and it just echoed down the hallway where we did the reading. So it's that combination. Um, that you just spoke to, Diana, of being able to see the art, read or hear the poetry uh, that makes it so so very powerful. Yes. Yeah, because it, it really was a piece of, I mean, I, I think any poetry reading is definitely a piece of performance, performance art. And, um, you know, it, he and the previous poet, that Karen was the other artist, that just read her, his poems. It was yes. just, those poems really lent themselves really well to being read out loud by the author. Mm. Although I think that the artist did a great job reading the poem, um, but it's uh, yeah, it's like um, you get the emotion behind the creative process. And, and right. everything that led up to that 
Mm-hmm. Um, Karen, I have a question for you as far as your art practice and uh, hearing this poetry. Um, have you done any other collaborations with with poets, or um, is this something new for you? I have I have not. In fact, I was the one who uh, who talked to Chris. I've always wanted to do some sort of combination between the two of us, and we had thought of doing an art show together in a gallery, and yet I thought that didn't really showcase his poetry the way I wanted it to. And so this was the perfect venue. It allowed people to hear him perform his piece. It's almost, it's a piece of drama when, when you have a poem that is reaching that deep into emotions that people have or feelings. And um, so this was the perfect venue for us to work together because we've always wanted to work together in some way. Um, These pieces are not, necessarily typical of the type of art that I always do. I do do a lot of, I'm a fiber artist, and I always do do something, not always, but I frequently do photo transfers. But I usually don't choose the image of a person to put in my pieces. They're much more abstract. So um, it, was, it, was a, it was a change for me, and I think it really worked with his poetry to have an image of a person. You have to have a person with those, with those words. Absolutely, mm-hmm. and the illusion of having the window um, frame over that person um, was very strong. Um, as it's almost as if they were behind and and excluded from our society is how I took um, how you approached um, this particular piece and this particular poem by Chris. And the other thing that was interesting is one of the images that I chose of my son was one where he's getting ready to do his makeup, and he has a coat of sort of white paint over his face. And to me, Mm -hmm. it really reminded me of, and he has his head tied and a head knot up on top of his head. It reminded me of a geisha. And so that's Mm -hmm. sort of the other uh, the other title I would have given that one would be that it's a geisha because it looks very much like a like a geisha preparing for their night out and and going out. So uh, that image and there's also the image in, in that picture of him in the mirror. So there's a lot of reflection, self reflection, and the and the person looking through the window and all of that. Mm, wonderful. Um, There's a collaboration um, by two artists. The poet is Mac McBride, um, and he was actually found um, on the Internet when the artist Laura Phelps Rogers was looking for poetry um, for a particular image she had. So she has this wonderful photograph of this like 1950s motel and we can also kind of figure out in our mind in our um i'm gonna um, mute a couple people there (laughs) anyway um the imagery of this motel with this cerulean blue intense pool with this um uh, U-shaped motel that you're looking into through the um, silver um, chain link fence. And so the blue of the pool just about knocks you in the forehead. Um, and this is the poem that she found on the Internet. So he, And then um, she got permission from the, the poet um, to share. So I have a reading by Matt McBride of his poems, Cities of the Plain. Cities of the Plain. Skeletons of birds hang still in the sky. The clouds have gone all moldy. Someone forgot to change the bulb in the moon, so it makes a clicking noise that keeps you from sleep. You speak your name into a sheet of cellophane and hold the ball of it in the palm of the palm of your hand. And that is Cities of the Plain by Matt McBride. 
And um, I, what's interesting about this particular reading is I recorded it off of his recording off of the Internet. So it already had sort of a tinny kind of sound to it. But if you can envision this um, motel and its starkness um, and its it looks like it's almost abandoned. Um, and so that, that eeriness of place, uh, cities of the plain, was just, I, I just really struck me. What a, what a perfect uh, collaboration, even though it, it wasn't a traditional collaboration where the artist went back and forth. It was, here's this image. Now let me find the words that express what's part of that. Mm. Well, it's just a fine example of he had beautiful images in the poetry. And so poets make pictures. And then artists make beautiful pictures, but yet the poet supplied the words to describe the picture. So it's a wonderful collaboration uh, where the strengths of both artists are put together and make a larger picture than what each of them did individually. So well said, Suzanne. Um, The show that we're talking about tonight is Visual Artists and Poets Collaborate. Um, And it's a show that's actually at... Uh, the first congregation in Boulder as far as part of Boulder Arts Week and it's called Art Speak and you can read the poems, see the work um, and that's through the end of next month. So it comes down at the end of the May and uh, so if you can get to go see the show, um, the church has regular hours um, like 10 to 4. Um, I would invite you to call in uh, just to make sure that they are open um, and that the rooms are going to be available for you to view the work um, because sometimes there are meetings in the heritage room where uh, about half of the work hangs. So um, I want to uh, thank uh, Diana uh, Schellenberger and Karen Bennett for calling in. Um, I'm going to go ahead and go back to each one of them and see if they uh, would like to add um, some last thoughts. So I'm bringing in Diana. Any other thoughts from hearing um, the the last poem um, by Matt or any of the other um, participants this year at ArtSpeak? Um, that that last uh, photograph, the description of that last pairing. Um, uh, I didn't know that that I didn't know about that story. And, but I was very much attracted to both the photograph and the and the poem, and um, the story is is just as good as the art and the poet poetry being paired there. So that's a that's a nice thing to know about. Yeah, and some of the stories that are behind the collaborations, um, I, I think, are very very. Interesting of how um, people actually meet these days. Um, a lot of times it is over the internet. When I put out the call for this show, um, I got a young poet um, that just said, Yes, I want to participate. And one of the nice things is this is the first time they've shared their poetry. So um, that was very exciting to me that this particular show and particular collaboration gave somebody literally their voice to share their poetry out loud in front of an audience. (laughs) Uh, We have another caller. Uh, You'll recognize your number, 0942. Uh, Welcome to the show tonight. And who are we speaking with? Hi, this is June Lucarati. Hi, June. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing? Thanks for letting me join so late in the show. Oh, we're glad to have you. Um, June, what would you like to share about the collaboration or uh, about your work or uh, have a reading? It's it's all open to you. 
Yeah, um, I'll share a bit about the work and and then I'll uh, read one poem. Um, So I paired with um, Sue Crosby Doyle, who has a lot of different kinds of mediums that she worked with. And um, the main ones I think we both were really drawn to um, touching upon were clocks and time and water. Um, and so it was just one of those things where once you start talking about those, those themes, you see everything in this sort of like synchronistic realm. So a lot of her paintings really surprised me, a lot of the photos as well. Um, and I, I'll read, um, the poem River Crossing that I paired with, with some of her work. And uh, let me describe that um, piece. Um, It's a black and white um, print that Sue did, and so it is um, very um, strong, and it's about half of the image is black and about half of the image is white. So it has this really nice nice rhythm to it, uh, which kind of leads into that, the water. So go, go right ahead, June. Sure, great. Thank you. Um, this morning, I ran to the edges through the tall grass, across the rock islands, against a curtain of summer cicadas, where the tire swing hangs from its wooden rusted nail and whispered to myself in the trails already etched in my mind, Ivamos por ese lado y luego el otro. Puedo cruzar acá? Por aquí? Vamos. Children waving their hands. Come here. Por aquí, June, venga. Vamos. Como se dice esta? Chocolando en caparata. I thought the word was mask. We laughed. I dreamt I took someone with me, that one who has the end of your novel, that one where everything makes sense, that one who ties things up in a way you could have never seen, like tying ribbon on a gift. And we watched the tiny ants carry large wood on their back. We watched everything in a suelo make like snake-like, float-like magic, a footstep to wake the sleeping banks of a river. The mud and water spiders, the fish who don't have names, the living imprint. Something different happens when I am in Spanish. Yo soy, yo soy, yo soy todo. I am everything and owner of nothing. Visiting a language, twirling a tongue, the cracks in the surface are not too deep yet. The tablas are smooth. I went to cruzar el rio this morning, and even though it was harder, y somos de locos, I kissed each rock with my feet and caressed the edges through the cold rio down to the fount. And my feet wet and smile, and my ears blossomed, and my heart swelled back to full. And the sweetness of time expanded too in my chest, beyond not enough. And my arms stretched with it, estirando el tiempo, estirando. We come with these tools, I said, to a tree root. Raiz, I said. We are born from magic, from a wink in the sand and a tiny smile. Donde nacimos? That's it. That's beautiful. Mm. Um, Could you talk, June, a little bit about that dance between the two languages? Um, Since I'm only understand English and very little mm-hmm. pig Latin. <laughs> I, I just, I would love to have another language as my repertoire. Um, mm-hmm. But, but talk a little bit more about um, 
how you went back and forth and, and what you were trying to evoke with that. Yeah, I mean, I think in writing it, it was just fairly natural. I was coming back from traveling and my brain was very much just bouncing between the two. Um, so honestly, it wasn't incredibly intentional, um, but it just seemed like it, it worked. So, I mean, it really is, I like to think that you don't have to understand Spanish to really get the poem. Um, oh, because I, I think that there's... I don't think you do. Mm-hmm. I think it's the yeah. rhythm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think that some of the things, um, like estirando, like the way that I wrote it was, it's stretching. Is that's that's what that means. And so the word literally is stretching across the page. Um. So that was that was kind of part of it, and and I think what I part of what I wrote in the poem was. Um, was that when when I was speaking a different language from English, my brain didn't have the same hang-up <laughs> that it does in English <laughs> because the memories aren't quite as deep. So it really was this, like, clear space to come from. You don't edit in Spanish, perhaps. Um, what do you mean? Well, uh, I guess what I was hearing you say is it was so very natural Mm -hmm. that you put the words down and that was it. And yet probably when you write the English, you edit, you self, you massage, you change and and tweak the words, but the Spanish just is there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's definitely part of it. I hadn't thought of it quite like that, but it, that's absolutely true. So, yeah. Well, good. I'm going to go ahead and um, get to our last recording, and then uh, I'll come back to each one of you and uh, give you like about 30 seconds. Uh, this is This Side of Resurrection by Pedro, and he um, was paired with Mike Hammers, and uh, Pedro is also the um, uh, the pastor, one of the pastors at the church. So, this side of resurrection. This side of resurrection. This body that you see is merely an appearance. My truest body is doing work while this one is running interference. In reality, you can't see me, despite the fact you think you do. But what you see is just a shadow that somehow the light is shining through. Yes, I know that this is impossible according to the laws that you call physics, but our laws are just a theory to the one in whom light's intrinsic. To the one, there is no darkness. It's simply turning inside out so that the vibrations become reflective. What was within now shines without. It's something like electric, but with the absence of the static, transforming so very instantly that is faster than automatic. As it was in the beginning, has nothing on what's eternal. The being before existence, this fire consumes before it burns you. All the dross that's left behind is everything we are attached to, revealing on the other side that the lies could not dispatch you. Playing the hostage to a lie, we live lives that are not our own, putting our principal interest on a body that is truth is just alone. This is not the true intention of assuming this expression. The goal is to know as we are known through the releasing of our regression, going backward to take us forward, to lead us where we've never left, is the path of least persistence in the realm where there is no death. And that was Pedro reading The Side of Resurrection. He was paired up with Mike Hammers. June, you have 10 seconds to give me what is collaboration. (laughs) <laughs> okay, we've lose, we've used up fifty your your ten seconds. No, go right ahead. <laughs> Who is that for? Sorry, you June. <laughs> what what is collaboration oh, okay. for you? Just want to make sure. Um, <laughs> hmm. 
um, I think it's just, I guess, in sort of a concept sense, it's the understanding that we're really all different expressions of the same thing. Great. Um, Thank you so much, everybody, and we're taking it out. Oh, okay. Bye. Bye. <laughs> you are listening to Blog Talk Radio with your host, Annette Coleman. Thanks so much for listening to the show tonight. Get back to the studio. We're going to take this out with a tune by Lisa Bell. You can find more of Lisa Bell's music at lisabellmusic.com. This is from her CD, Dancing on the Moon. Move on. <laughs>